This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. God is good. Forever and ever. Where's Sonia at? I don't see Sonia. Hi, Sonia. I know you're waving real good with that arm. Amen. I want to give you a testimony, Sonia. You gave me. I just like to share stuff like this. Well, I see God do great things. I like to share it. Uh, was it last year when you had that shoulder shoulder surgery? Last what? Last February. She had a lot of bad stuff happen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, as she wanted to play softball anyway this year, overcoming all that there. Well, the first or second game. Uh, we were watching the game. I said, there's bleachers. And I saw her get up to the bat. And she took a really hard swing as she missed the ball. And when she did, when she did, I saw her face. She just missed the ball. She messed up what was being healed. And so I ran out the field. I thought, man, she belongs, she belongs to my family. We're not going to put up with this. I laid hands on her there, released the anointing of God, and did her thing till tonight. She came tonight. She said, you know what, Pastor? Since that day when you laid hands on me there at that ball game, said, I haven't had a twinge of pain, no problems at all, totally gone. And it wasn't like that even before we prayed, she still recovered from the injury. And so, God did it. So you know what the moral of that is? It pays to go to the ball game. <laughs> no, no, it, it pays to be hooked up with Jesus and be around people that believe in the healing power of God, not just in church, but everywhere. All day long. I thought that was so awesome because I know the trouble you was having even before you got there. You was playing by faith. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I thought that was just so good. All right. We got, we got a message that I called, uh, this is a good time to backslide. <laughs> no, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about this is not the time to backslide. This is not the time to backslide. And I want to pray over the word, and we're going to be starting off in Second Peter chapter 3. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said that your spirit has sealed us to the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, you said that. That the Holy Spirit's the one that has us branded. We belong to you. But Lord, I know that just like sheep, jump, sheep can jump the fence in, in a... In a under a shepherd's care, they can take off if they want to. I know the cattle can get out, and they may be branded that belong to the rancher. But, Lord, I know that by belonging to you is not a guarantee we're going to stay with you. That's up to our free will what we want to do. And I want to thank you tonight that we're going to be stirred. We're going to be provoked. And we're going to see why we, especially in these days we live in, Need to stay living for you and serving you. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy in our lives. Because Lamentation says that because of your mercies, we're not consumed. That they're new every morning. We thank you, Jesus, for the mercies of God in our lives and on our families. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us to get lit up. We need lit up. And if we're already lit up, thank you for helping us get hotter. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Second Peter chapter three. I don't think I've ever taught out of this chapter before, but the Lord gave this to me today. I had to really look at it and study it and think about it and 
So I, I wanted, I'm going to teach this how the Holy Spirit instructed me to. And uh, I, I hope you're taking notes. You know, when you come to a church like this, it really, really, really will help you if you bring something to write with. You bring a pen or a pencil, write down the verses. And most of the time, the uh, what we teach or go on the Internet and you can get it out there like that. But sometimes I hit subjects that are too delicate for general public to hear. So we have to keep it in-house word of God. There's some things that uh, people that just like to take uh, any public speaker out of context sometimes and mix things up and make them say things they didn't say. Sometimes we teach things that if people listen to them out there, out here in the whole message, they, they can make things look bad. So anyway, that's why it's good to take notes because you never know for sure if it's going to be out there. But Second Peter chapter 3, going to read the first two verses. <clears throat> and Peter said this, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, and here's the purpose, in both which I stir up your pure minds. I hope you got a pure mind. If you don't have a pure mind, plead the blood of Jesus over it, lay hands on your head, and ask Jesus to help you to have a pure mind and to be able to stay in life the Word of God. Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you be that you may be mindful. As a Bible teacher, words always jump off at me. If something's full, that means it's filled up. And he said that your mind may be full of the words. If you mind, if you're mindful of words, then you got a mind full of the words. And so he's talking about your mind's going to be pure if it's full of the word. Anyway, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And so, like Peter, under the direction of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to sharpen your minds and remind you why you can't afford to backslide or give up. On your Christian faith. You can't afford to walk away from your Christian faith ever. But especially the days we live in. There's so much temptations. So much ugliness. So much meanness. And as as the Lord was giving this to me today. And I was thinking about it. I thought about Christians. That our Christian walk sometimes can seem kind of blah. Can seem kind of nothing. Can seem kind of mundane. Because, you know, Christians are just like people of the world. We go to bed, we get up, most of us work, we eat, hang out with other people, we go to bed, we get up. It's just life day after day after day after day. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about our Christian life, it calls it a race. And then also it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so at a race, it's step by step. Christianity's day by day. And just like in a race, there might be some things sometimes on the track or a little uh, break in the surface or something like that. You can trip up sometimes. You're running. You can trip up and get hurt. And so we as Christians, he said, I want to stir your minds up. Have your mind be full of some things. And then he said things that were spoken by the prophets. Well, when you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of things about the end times. The last days that God spoke through Isaiah, through Ezekiel, through Jeremiah, through a lot of the prophets. And that's what Peter talked about. said, these men, by the Spirit of God, told us how ugly it's going to be in the last days. How bad it's going to be. And then he said, also, I want to remind you of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you read, especially uh, Matthew and Luke, when you read those 
a lot of chapters there, Jesus tells about in the last days before the coming of the Son of Man, here's what it's going to be like. And he warns us things. He warned us. He said, just like in the days of Noah, people were going about their business. They were buying and selling, getting married. They enjoyed having feasts and banquets and eating out. And more than ever a time that I see that come to pass now. Wow. Talk about eating. This is the eatingest society that's ever been in the history of the world, I think, man. Just come up the little town like Barstow. How many hamburger joints, chicken joints, Mexican restaurants are there this place to eat? That's what people do. Well, that's a in times, all this eating to carry it on all the time. But anyway, Jesus said that's how it's going to be in the last days. People will be so caught up in doing flesh things, everyday life things, they're not even going to see what's going on around them. They think they're seeing, but they're not seeing. And Jesus called it signs of the times. Signs of the times. Anybody ever drive a car on the interstate? You ever read the signs? Well, the signs tell you where you're going. If you stay on that road and Jesus tells signs of the times of where it's going to be for righteous and for wicked, where we're going. If we stay on that road and so we want to stay on the right road. And that's kind of what this lesson's about out of second Peter chapter three tonight is staying on the faith walk. And so Peter talks about that we're supposed to be mindful of these words. And so remember, faith is not being moved by what you see or how you feel, but faith is living by obedience in the words that a God that you can't see wrote down in the Bible for us to see. I want to say that again so you get it. It's not faith if you can see it with your eyes. It's faith when you can't see it. At Hebrews eleven six, it says, faith always pleases God. It said the way faith is, you come to God whom you can't see, and you live for Him, believing that He's a rewarder. A God you can't see, you believe He's good. I think about Sonia and that healing right there. You know, uh, none of our eyes saw Jesus on that field that day, but Jesus said, in my name, you lay hands on the sick, and I'll heal them. So that day, when Sonia was on that ball field, and I have Jesus in me, just like most of you have Jesus in you, that when Jesus said, if you got hands and you see them sick, lay hands on them and I'll heal them. Well, that day, the Jesus we can't see was the ball game. Amen. And I let Jesus use me that day to heal one of his daughters. And see, that's what our faith like his life is. Everywhere we go, every day, believing. That Jesus is with us. And we want to please Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. And that's what, that's what Peter said. I want to remind you of some things Peter said. And I want to stir you up to think about some things. And we're going to look at why we need to be stirred up to think about these things. I want to fast forward to the end of the chapter. Then we'll come back to the start of the chapter. But I want you to see, uh, go, go to, go, go to, uh, uh, what's the last couple of verses we want to look at? Go to the end of the chapter to verse 17. I want to look at these last two verses. And they're going to come back and tell because it'll, the front of the chapter will make more sense after we read, after we read these verses here. This is the goal of how we're to live, verse 17, verse 18. It says this, Ye therefore, beloved, and the therefore is cause of things he said, 
up to this point in time, which we'll go back and look, but you need to see this so the other make more sense to you. Therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, well, what is it you know? We're going to go back and see what you know. He said, because you know these things before, beware. Well, if you beware of something, that means have your guard up. That means look out. Watch out. Danger. 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 Beware. Lest you also be led away. Now, Pastor Dave advertised a book a minute ago called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit of God and being led by your emotions is two different things. It's okay to have emotions, but you can't let emotions and feelings lead you in life. They'll get you in trouble. It said, beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Beware that you not be led away and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so here's our goal. We're going to go back to these other things, but here's our goal. I want you to see three things right here. Number number one, beware, lest you also be led away of the air of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness. And so point number one is this. As a believer, now listen to this. This might be a newsflash to some of you, but it's Bible. As a believer, you know right from wrong. You know right from wrong. Choices have consequences. Amen. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life. And so you know right from wrong. Two ways you know right from wrong. Number one, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And because the Holy Spirit in you, even if you don't know Bible verses yet, you know when you're about to sin. You know when you're about to do wrong. You know what you're doing. And then number two, as you learn the Bible, the Bible tells you what's right and what's wrong. The Bible tells you what's sin that will get you in trouble. And will tell you what's holy and will open the blessings of heaven on your life. And he tells, tells us, don't be led away at the error of the wicked. You know, I made a statement when I was preaching Sunday. I forget what I, I forget exactly what I was talking about. But I made this statement that a, that a, uh, whatever kind of, I was talking about is that some people think that the word of God applies to everybody but them. They think they've got a special, they got a special blessing to be able to do wrong and God just looks the other way. All God does because of his grace and his goodness is give you space to repent before judgment falls. What the grace of God is, the grace of God holds back judgment and gives you time to get right with God. Amen. And so, you, you know what the Bible says as you're growing in the Lord and your heart tells you what's wrong. And so I wrote this out a while ago and I want you to listen to this. So if as a baby Christian, you knew something was wrong, guess what? The Bible doesn't change. It's still wrong. See, it seems like new Christians have a real tender heart. And they want to change their life. They want to do good. But then as they begin to get some uh, mileage on the Christian walk, they begin to be a little hardened if they don't stand under the word like they did if they first got saved. And so, uh, matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, said some people have a seared conscience. And so what that means is this, they do something and they didn't feel any repercussions. And so then they're tempted to do that again. Huh. 
Okay, that wasn't so bad. Maybe that is okay. Well, when they started their walk, they knew this is wrong. And so I think about that. what that seared conscience means to me, the best way I ought to do it. Has anybody ever used a shovel or something with their hands, no gloves on? You keep on using man, you get calluses and you get blisters, they bleed. Well, if you're using a hand tool and you get those and it hurts, you keep on using it, you're going to get those calluses built up to where it doesn't hurt anymore. Or you're, you use the same shovel, use the same tool, except you got calluses where those nerve endings in your hand doesn't feel it anymore because they got a thick skin now and it's not hurting you. But what happens with Christians when they sin and they keep doing the same sin, there's a callus gets on their heart. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit isn't able to get through to them like he once got through to them because they quenched him and they grieved him. And so he's still knocking, he's still moving, but they've got a calloused heart. And I know as a baby Christian, as a baby Christian, I learned to pray this simple prayer, and I still pray it all the time. I say, Lord, thank you for giving me a tender heart. Jesus, thank you for helping my heart to stay tender. Jesus, thank you for helping me be teachable. Oh, Jesus, I always want to be teachable. I always want to be tender-hearted. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me be teachable and keep a tender heart. Because I do not want to be led away with the air of the wicked and think, well, nothing happened, so it must be okay. I'm going to keep on doing it. No, if it was wrong when you were a baby Christian, guess what? The Bible didn't change. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. And so the once in trouble is you if you don't get it turned around. And the Bible says, beware. And so the number one thing is, as a believer, you got to live right and be steadfast. Don't throw away your faith over temporary pleasure in the flesh. Amen. And then point number two says, grow in grace. We're supposed to be growing in grace. And so... What that means to me is this, every day, trust the mercy, the favor, and the goodness of God more and more and more and more. Every day, every day, thank God for His goodness. Every day, thank God for His mercy. Every day, recognize the little things in life. And you know, I think about Sonia again. I think about the healing she got. To me, that's a big deal. I know it's a big deal to Sonia. And you know what? I still thank God for little things that he did in my life 35 years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. And I thank him for the new things. I'll go to bed at nighttime after I get out of the hustle and bustle of the busy day. I'll lay there on a pillow. And all of a sudden, I'll get a flashback of something today that I know that God was in it for me. I'll say, oh, Jesus, by the way. Thank you, Lord, that lady stopped back here at that stop sign for California stop. Thank you for protecting me. <laughs> Amen. Most of the time it's a lady, but <laughs> sometimes it's me. No, no, watch out. Don't throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> but I tell you, well, we got some fast drivers in California, those stop signs. And I don't take that for granted, but God protects me. Or maybe I was the one that did too. <laughs> but the thing is, I am going to stay tender-hearted. I'm going to grow in grace. I'm going to recognize God's favor in my life. I'm going to recognize God's protection of my family in life. It says to grow in grace. And so I'm going to sing. I'm going to talk. I'm going to testify about the goodness of God. 
I think about Psalms 89. David said, I will sing uh, the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. as a Sunday school song 50 years ago. 60 years ago. Who counts? But anyway, did I ever sing that song in Sunday school? They still sing it? Amen. And so every day, if I'm going to grow in grace, I'm going to testify about the goodness of God. I'm going to talk about the goodness of God. Every day, every day, I'm going to have confidence that when I'm facing a tough situation, God's grace is greater than what I'm facing. He wants me to grow in my confidence in that, and I am. How about you? Growing in that. And then he says, also, point number three, grow in the knowledge, grow in the knowledge, that is, what you know and how much you know, of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, we're supposed to be growing. And I can tell you this for a fact. This year... I've been learning lots of fresh stuff about Jesus. You know why I've been learning lots of fresh stuff about Jesus? Because I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They talk about Jesus. I see Jesus' stories. I see what Jesus did. And so I've grown in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior. It says what will help me stay steadfast and not turn back is to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And you know what else I do? I read the epistles every day. I got, I got, I, I go through Ephesians, Galatians, James, Hebrews, lots of places. I read different spots, read things. I go back. I've been reading them over and over and over and over again. And, uh, they don't do popcorn like they used to, but they used to have the little Jiffy Pops. And before they had Jiffy Pops, you had the pad you put oil in and had to watch how you shook it. But I remember you'd hear the pop, 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 well, that's how it is, the Word of God, when you're growing in the Word of God. Things start popping in your spirit. The Word of God coming alive. You're pop, pop, pop. You start hearing more and seeing more. But you know what? You have to get in the presence of Jesus to do that. And to get in the presence of Jesus, it's more than praying. It's having a Bible while you're praying. And you're reading it. And you're having an intimate conversation while you're reading it. You're saying things like, Jesus, I still don't know what that means. What's that mean, Lord? And, you know... I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my study place at home reading the Bible. can't remember exactly what it was now, two or three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, I saw something I've been wanting to see for 37 and a half years. All of a sudden, that passage opened up to me and I saw it. How many times have I read it? Maybe thousands. How many times have I asked wanting to know what that meant? I don't know how many times. Lots of times. But all of a sudden... I saw what Jesus was saying in that passage there, and it made sense to me now for the first time. And when that happens to me, I write notes in my Bible so I won't forget what it was he showed me. But I'm growing. What I'm saying, I'm growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Amen. I feel like a first-year student. Amen. I want to be on the ground floor. I want to keep on growing. Anyway, that, that's the thing that's going to help us not to backslide. And so anyway, I want to go back now to the start of the chapter, and know what our goal is. Our goal is, we're going to stay saved, not backslide. We're going to grow in grace, and we're going to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And so then Peter's going to tell us why. Why don't you look at verse 2 again? He says, Be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And then he's going to tell us what some of those words were. Knowing this, what do you remember? That's how he ended the chapter. He said, that you know these things? So he said, knowing this. So if they're supposed to know this, I think we better know this, don't you? 
Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that. Amen. That kid heard me. Amen. We're going to know this, aren't we? <laughs> Lord, this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, that means mockers. And a mocker is an imitator. Somebody that lives a counterfeit lifestyle. They're playing church. Now, their body may be in church, but they're not living what the church teaches. They're not living an everyday life how Christians should live. He said the last days going to be lots of those walking after their own lust. That means uh, what the world says, if it feels good, do it. The world says, it's all about me. There's a famous song several years ago. I don't know if any goofy people still sing it or not. Maybe they do. All the goofy ones I do it sing it in my day, they died. But it was called, I did it my way. Anybody ever hear anybody sing that song, I did it my way? Well, about everybody ever saw singing that song their way, they didn't die a good way. Because they did it their way. And so walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. That means in Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let there be light, that's God's word speaking. God said, let there be light, there was light. God said, oceans be filled with fishes, there were fishes. God said, man, you need a wife, we'll give you a wife, hold her out. And then God said, there's your wife. All the things that God said, everything was created by the word of God. He said, people are ignorant of that. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, perished. And so what that says here is this, that Noah was the only one survived out of a flood. It says the world perished by those waters. And so we're warned not to grow doubtful of God's word like the people did in Noah's day. God, through Noah, warned the human race for about 120 years, get right, judgment's coming. Get right, judgment's coming. He said they were ignorant of that word, and then the world's the world was flood, flooded with water. And so for about 120 years, he warned them, and then judgment came. I want you to notice verse 7. He says, but the heavens and the earth, which, now, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. It says God's word that said, let there be light. God's word that said everything's going to produce after its kind is the same word that's stopping this world from being destroyed right now. The word of God that God spoke, this earth cannot be destroyed by plastic bags. Might not be a good thing to throw plastic bags out there and realize that, but those things aren't going to destroy it. No ozone, no, no ozone layer is going to destroy this earth. We're going to see some things here that hopefully Christians... We'll get a hold of and see what's really going on and what's really important. And uh, that's why we don't put things on the Internet sometimes, because what I just said right then could cause some trouble out there somewhere. I wouldn't say, saying that I don't respect the environment. I wouldn't say, saying that lots of these things watching out for is not good things to watch out for, but they're not the main thing to watch out for. The main thing to watch out for is where is you and your family going to spend eternity? That's where we're getting down to. So anyway, kept the store reserved. It says the heavens and the earth are reserved unto fire 
against the day of judgment and perdition. And perdition, that means destruction of ungodly men. And so I want you, I want you to write this down. Write down Genesis 9, verses 11 through 17. And you go back and look at it later. But what that is is this. God, in those verses, I read them today again. And God gave the rainbow as a gift to the human race as a sign that he'd never destroy the earth with the flood again. I'm not making any more comments about the rainbow because I made myself a note. I'm not going to talk about it. But the rainbow was a gift from God that some mock today and sticking their thumb right in God's eye. That rainbow was from God. And God said, this will be a token and every time I see that rainbow, it's going to remind me I will not destroy this earth with water again. God said that. Amen. God's the one that said that. And so then in verse, I want you to look at this next verse, verse 8. He says this, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And that a, a thousand years is as one day. I'm going to explain something to you real simple about time versus eternity what it's like. And listen real close. I think you'll understand this best I ever heard explained years ago. How many have heard that God's in eternity, but we live in time? God doesn't live in time. He lives in eternity. We're eternal. God's eternal. And so one day with God is the same thing as a thousand years to us or a thousand years one day. It's all the same to God because he's eternal. Get a picture of this. How many have ever seen a wagon train or a, a covered wagon, or even a bicycle. You got the axle in the middle, those spokes everywhere. All those little spokes, those segments. Okay, God is like the axle. God is eternal. He never moves. Time moves. Keeps on moving. Each one of those sp- spokes represents a segment of time. God's in the middle of it all. And God from the center of everything, the axle doesn't move. God changes not. He's God. He doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday and forever. Isaiah chapter 45 says God can tell you the beginning, the ending from the beginning. God can tell you how something ends before it even starts. Because God's eternal. He sees the future, sees the past. It's all the same to him. And so God, being eternal, can look. And God can look out from his little place into all the time and see creation happen. God can look again anytime he wants to. He sees Adam and Eve in the garden. God can look and he see the day that Maxine gave her heart to Jesus. God can look and he can see the day that Jesus Christ came back to the earth. That's why God can write things in the Bible that we see and say, how did he know that? Because God can look at the past. He can look at the present. He can look at the future. So that's why it says right here that one day's with God's a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, because all God does, He just looks out there at whatever part of time He wants to. And that gives you a glimpse of how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work sometimes. Sometimes a believer or a preacher will get a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is the Holy Spirit showing a believer or a preacher something that's happening right now in somebody's life or something that happened in the past tense. Jesus told a woman one time, said, you know what, you've had five husbands. And the one you're living with, you're not even married to right now. And so Jesus, by the word of knowledge, looked into the past. And then the word of wisdom by the Holy Spirit 
is God give you a word about the future. God will show you or somebody else that will tell you, you know what? That job that's going to come up here to you in two weeks is not the right thing. You walk away from that. That's a trap. Because God saw already two weeks from today what was going to be offered to you. And God saw the trap in it because God could see all those things. And so we have to know as believers, he's telling some things right here what's going on. And so he's telling us about the past tense of the flood that came to judge the earth. And then he says, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has mercy on the human being. God let some of these, I remember one time years ago, I saw in the paper this old guy died about 115 years old. And <laughs> he, they, so they asked him, said, said, well, what was your success to long life? He said, I smoked a good cigar every day and I drank a glass of whiskey. And I thought about some of the righteous people that died young. I said, Lord, why did that old whiskey guzzling cigar smoking old man get to live that long? He said, people were praying for him. And I had to keep him living long enough to give him a chance to get right with me. God is long-suffering. That ever makes you wonder sometimes why some of these people go and go and go and go? That's because God honors prayer. And when people are praying for somebody, especially somebody that's really, really, really not a good person sometimes, that prayer keeps those people here because God's long-suffering knocking on the door of their hearts. Does that help anybody? Amen. So I, I, want, I want to wrap this up right here now. And here's where we're coming to, to get to see this. <clears throat> and, you know, I want, to, I want to say this as I read these next few verses here. I don't, I don't teach a lot on end times because a pastor is like a general practitioner or a family doctor. Help me here know what a family doctor is. Is there a difference between a family doctor? This is not a setup. Is there a difference between a family doctor and a brain surgeon? Yeah, there's a difference. Is there a difference between a family doctor and a heart surgeon. There is. A family doctor practices in a lot of areas of your life for your physical health. Try to keep your overall health in good shape. And if he needs help, he calls it in. He, he's concerned for your whole well-being. Well, see, a pastor is not a brain surgeon. He's not a prophet. A pastor preaches a lot of subjects all the time for your spiritual health to try to keep you healthy and balanced. And then sometimes God brings prophets in like Dr. Barclay. Are there some really good end times Bible teachers? They're specialists. And so I don't really deal with end times a whole lot because I work a whole lot on your overall health for your marriage, for your finances, for your children, for your healing, for renewing your minds. A lot of things I work on. But tonight I'm just barely going to touch this end time stuff because I say I'm not an end times preacher. But you need to see this. And this is why he said... Don't backslide. Don't go back. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. We're at that point in time where the day of the Lord is about to come. It says, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away. What happens when somebody dies? They pass away. God says that the heavens are going to pass away. Talk about our atmosphere around us. Our ozone layer. And all these things around shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. God's going to judge this earth again. Not by a flood. But the Old Testament tells us 
Several times the New Testament book of Revelation tells us God's going to judge this again with fire this time. It says, shall melt with fervent heat the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And today, when the Lord's given me this passage, because it's not the area I delve into all the time, I got out a couple of my great reference books of people that do the Greek and the Hebrew and all the disturbed. Everyone have said the same thing. The Bible means what it says. God is going to take care of this planet again, not by water, but by fire. God's going to do this again. I care about the environment, but I know this. A human soul lives forever. This environment's going to be destroyed anyway. We're going to take care of this planet. If there's anybody that ought to respect the earth, it ought to be Christians. Anybody shouldn't pollute, it ought to be Christians. But we ought to be more concerned about the pollution of the soul. Amen. Than anything else. And look at this. This is the Bible. See then that all these things shall be dissolved. And I was reading Rick Ritter's uh, uh, Sparkling Gems. It's, he's, he's one of the most, probably the biggest Greek scholar in the whole world right now. And he, he was going to all that detail about this. Everything's going to melt. Everything's going to be destroyed. And then he says, see that you see all these things. What manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Holy converse, conversation isn't talking about your talk. It's talking about how you live, your manner of life. Your conduct, how you conduct yourselves, looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, where the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. And so God says, the people were ignorant what happened in Noah's day, just like they'll be ignorant now. He said, that's why you ought to live right. That's why you ought to live holy. That's why you ought to live clean. He said, I've stirred up your pure minds because you know this day's coming. God said it. Said the day of the Lord will come. Nevertheless, look at this. We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so God is going to judge the human race again. He's going to destroy the planet again. Then it's going to give us a new heavens and a new earth. Well, how can God do that? Because he's God. Who gave us the first one? If he gives us the first one, can he give us another one? And, you know, something else I saw today. I'll just throw this out here at you and think about this. I've always heard years since I've been a Christian, well, they talk about nuclear wars and bombs and stuff like that. But I saw today God doesn't need that. I'm going to give you two passages right down that show you God's already been in the fire business when he wants to. Uh, Write down Genesis 19, verse 24 and 25. Now, did anybody ever hear the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Did God need help from man-made bombs? God sent fire down from heaven. On a much smaller scale, what did fire from heaven do? It melted Sodom and Gomorrah. And modern-day scientists, Pastor Dave can tell you about this stuff. He checks that stuff out. Modern-day scientists have found Sodom and Gomorrah in all the ashes of where it burned at. God does not need some man's bombs. You know, we don't like these bombs, all this stuff going on, but when God sends fire down... God doesn't have to have somebody else do it for him. He doesn't need counterfeit for him. He's got the real. And then also write this verse down. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38. 1 Kings 18, 38. Did anybody ever hear of a prophet named Elijah on Mount Carmel? At 450 prophets of Baal? God didn't have to have some man light a fire. God said fire down from heaven. 
So I'm telling you, when God is ready to make crispy critters out of this place, it's going to happen. And so I just want to remind you for the times we live in. He said, Peter said, I'm going to remind you of some things the prophets told about and Jesus told about. And said, sin, you know these things, how should you be living? And then he closed the thing up, says, sin, you know this. He said, number one, he said, remain steadfast, don't go back. He said, number two, grow in grace. Keep on growing and believing, confessing, talking about, praising God for his grace, for his goodness, his mercy. Number three, you keep on growing and how close you know Jesus. Keep on getting close to Jesus, loving Jesus, studying about Jesus. Hang around Jesus' people, et cetera, et cetera. Because he said, there's going to be a time coming. He said, don't need a rainbow. He said, because I'm going to judge it again by fire. And i close this out there. <laughs> close it, close it, close close I remember in studying Revelation so many times, when you see in chapter 20, 21, 22, it says God is going to bring down his bride, and the bride of Christ is the new Jerusalem. God's going to move heaven down to earth. And so I know when God makes this thing new, how do you bring heaven down to earth? He's God. And God said, I'm going to move heaven down to earth. That's what I'm going to do. And so I know the day's coming when we as believers, we're going to be back on this planet. It's going to be a brand new planet. And heaven's not going to be up there. Heaven's going to be down here because God says so. And so for me, I don't care how dull I feel. I don't care how mundane I feel. I know this. I'm going to stay saved. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. If I feel dry, I'm going to read my Bible. If I feel drier, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to praise Jesus. If I don't feel Jesus, I'm going to praise Jesus. If I do wrong, I'm going to say, Lord, forgive me. Help me. I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I need grace. Help me to do better. Oh, Lord, help me do better. I don't want to do that again. Jesus, I want help. And what am I going to do? I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. And if I don't feel saved, I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I know I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Somebody says, hey, you want to go do this? If I know it's wrong, I'm going to say, no, I don't want to go do that. Well, hey, guess what we're doing tonight? Oh, you're too good to play with us? I said, no, I'm too saved to play with you. I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to stay saved. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.